the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Good afternoon and welcome to The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff. And we have been talking about over the last few years here on The Career Confidant the tools and skills that you need to be able to take control of your own career. So we've been talking about leadership skills and job search skills, marketing yourself, resume writing, all of the things that you need to do to be able to take care of your own career. And just a little insight that I got from a presentation that I was giving today. And, you know, this may seem like common sense, but it probably doesn't get said enough that one of the best things that you can do for your career is keep track of your successes as you go through your work, right? There's nothing worse than either getting laid off or having the opportunity for an advancement, a promotion, to apply for a new position even within your company. And someone says, oh, hey, yeah, can I get your resume? And you have to spend a lot of time going back and digging through to figure out what you can put on there for the last few years, right? So the more you're keeping track of your successes every day, the better off you'll be when something comes up that you might want to take advantage of. So that's your little tip for the day. We've been talking about coaching, and last week we talked about some of the International Coach Federation competencies around coaching and today I want to go deeper into some of those talk about some of the skills that you could use to coach as a leader within your organization or if you are even just coaching your peers or wanting to move up into leadership shared an article a few maybe a week ago around managing up right coaching or in some way leading people who even are above you. And the skills we've been talking about are important for all of those things, as well as just our daily communications to be better in building relationships with others. That's really all you're doing as a coach in some ways is building that great relationship and then using some of these skills to help cause change. And we all want to do that from many different positions, so here are some skills that can help you do that. Last week we talked about, again, some of those competencies, and one of them being this idea of listening. And listening, I think we all take for granted, because we think that we are listening when really we're not. And the book that I'm going to be sharing some of these skills out of today is called Coactive coaching. It's one model. We'll talk about a few other models, but one of the models is co-active coaching. And it's written by four individuals, Laura Whitworth, Karen Kimsey House, Henry Kimsey House, and Philip Sandahl, S-A-N-D-A-H-L. So they've come up with some of these skills and 
well, really, they didn't come up with these skills. Obviously, listening has been around for a long time, but they have put some of these things into some language that can help us think about, are we really doing some of these things? So, are you really listening? In Coactive Coaching here, they talk about three different levels of listening. And most of us spend most of our time at the first level. So let's think about this. You're talking to a friend and you tell this friend that you're really struggling with cleaning your house, let's say. Really struggling with keeping the house clean. Just seems like it's always dirty. Your dog's tracking in the mud because it's rain season in most of the country, especially here in Colorado. And you're, you're telling your friend, Well, most of the time in a friendly conversation, what happens? Your friend says, oh, yeah, you know, I can't believe all of the mud that's coming through our house and my dog's tracking in mud and, you know, my husband just won't clean up after himself, whatever it is, right? So that's the first level of listening where we're not really listening. We're listening but with our own framework, right? They talk about our awarenesses being in ourselves. So we're listening, but we're really attaching that, whatever that other person is saying, to ourself, to our own problem. Oh, yeah, my dog does that too. Or, oh, yeah, most people have that problem. And we're not really listening to their problem separately, uniquely. We're connecting it to ourselves. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with that level of listening. It is where we spend most of our time, especially as a friend. But if we want to deepen the relationship, and especially if we want to build the type of relationship that can help another person create change, i.e. a coaching relationship, we probably want to do listening a little bit differently to, to do it better. So the second level of listening here in our our coactive coaching is level two, where there is a sharp focus on the other person. So that might mean that if your friend is telling you that their dog's running through the house and tracking mud in the house, you might say, oh, well, is there some reason that you, you know, need your house cleaned? You might ask a question that, that helps get to awareness, right, that helps them see that maybe they're being overly judgmental or helps you understand why they need the house to be cleaned, right? It it creates awareness for one or, or maybe both of you. So it gives you the opportunity to ask a question that gets a little deeper. Now, you might not always do this with a friend, but if you feel like a friend's getting really upset or you might be able to help by asking a, a good question, Right? It, it can help build that relationship again because the focus is on the other person and helping them, not necessarily just sharing your observations or sharing what you're hearing. So that's that level two where we're asking some kind of a, of a question that follows the other person's lead, shows that we're actively listening, right? We're paying attention and we are somehow digging a little bit deeper into their situation. We're listening to their information and asking a question that will dig deeper. 
So that's level two. Level three is where we're adding some kind of information in the way that we're responding, right? Where we are, again, focusing on the other person. And if we're coaching, that might be our employee or our, our, our client. Most of you may be an employee that you're working with. And we are giving some information about the other things that we're hearing, right? So it goes beyond just what that person is saying, but also adding something to it. So if they're saying, you know, their dog comes in dragging mud into the house, obviously not a work conversation, but hopefully you're getting the idea here. Going beyond just saying, oh, it sounds like there's something that you really need to have the house clean for right now. We might say, wow, it sounds like there's something that's really important to you. How can I help you process that? Or it sounds like this is the one a busy time for you, right? Where you're adding something in that isn't being said that can help that individual understand that you're really listening and can help take the conversation even deeper. So just thinking about, all right, when I'm with an employee or maybe even with a colleague, am I really listening? And then how could I use some active listening, right? Some asking questions to show that I'm understanding or even to paraphrase what they're saying. How could I use some of that to really show that individual that I'm listening to them versus our knee-jerk reaction in most cases, which is to connect what they're saying to us. Oh yeah, I'm experiencing that too, right? Those things come very easy and that's okay. And if we're really trying to build a relationship with someone or help them change, as we might be with an employee that we're coaching, it will be important that we use those skills, use that active listening, use those questioning techniques to dig deeper. So we can do that by by articulating what they're saying, right? Again, paraphrasing. We can do that by clarifying so it sounds like what I hear you saying is it sounds like you need to decide this or that, right? We're paraphrasing, clarifying, can take it to the 30,000 foot view or, or do some kind of a metaphor, right? Sharing what we're hearing in terms of the bigger picture. All of those are ways that we can actively listen at that level two or level three level. So then we're thinking about, okay, we're really listening and maybe we're diving in to help someone improve their performance at work. What are we going to do next, right? Maybe we're paraphrasing, we're, we're clarifying, but then we move into what, and we talked a little bit about this last week, but that idea of asking great questions, right? That idea of how do we help someone really see where there might be an opportunity for growth, where there might be an opportunity for change? Where are some of those opportunities going to come in, most likely through great questions? So we'll get into that here when we come back from our break. Here's just a little simple tip 
and this comes from a, a, a courageous communications written by Gus Lee, um, Courage, the Backbone of Leadership. And it's very simple, right? Four steps, four things. You hear the words, so hear what someone's saying. You capture the feeling, so that's empathy, right? Really being able to understand how someone else feels. And then you're staying neutral to the content, right? So I'm not going to get all worked up about your dog or your husband if I'm coaching you especially, right? This is where a friend is different than a coach. But we are, you know, staying neutral and just really being able to ask questions that dig deeper. So hearing the words, capturing the feeling, showing empathy, we might even say, wow, it sounds like that's really frustrating for you, or it sounds like that's really driving you crazy, right? Whatever it is that makes sense to repeat back, that also helps clarify for them and for you. Are they angry or not? They might say, oh, no, it's just one of those things, right? Or, yes, you know, I didn't realize how upset that it, that's making me today. And it helps you get to that feeling. It's maybe uncomfortable for some of you that aren't used to coaching, but it's really key for building trust is being able to talk about some of those feelings in your conversation, even with an employee. If they're trying to get them to make change, be very important that you can make that kind of relationship. You're staying neutral, so you're not getting emotional about it. And then you're sending it back through a question, through a clarifying statement that helps put it back in their court in terms of how they want to react to it. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about powerful questioning and how it can help you in your relationships at work, especially if you're managing, leading, or coaching others. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. 
Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we are talking, well, continuing our conversation, I guess, around coaching skills and how you can use some of these techniques to improve your coaching if you're coaching for performance at work or in interactions with your peers, or maybe even if you are managing up. And of course, all of these things are great for home relationships. If you are trying to deepen a relationship and make someone feel better heard, no better way than through active listening, which we've been talking about quite a bit. So now let's move into asking great questions. And just a caveat here that you aren't a counselor, right? You're, you are, if you're doing some coaching at work, you want to make sure that you're clear about that relationship, but especially at home or even in peer relationships and even in coaching or counseling, we have to be a little bit careful about the overuse of questions, right? And nobody wants to feel interrogated and there are some points in, in any relationship where it makes sense to share your opinions, your thoughts, what's coming up for you, right? That's part of the intuition and counseling or coaching and and immediacy. And to be clear about where you're going with that relationship so people understand how it's going to work. Questions, very, very powerful and, and need to have some kind of a relationship usually before you can ask too deep of questions. So keep that in mind. One of the greatest tools for moving people forward is asking great questions. Another thought here around questioning, and in coactive coaching, they call this chapter, right, curiosity, and approaching your questions with that mind frame. It's not really a question if you've already decided what you think about it, right? It's not really a question if you've already decided that the person's wrong. Or like in the dog footprint example, right? If you've already decided that that person's overreacting, it's not really a question if you're asking, wow, how is that impacting, you know, your life or it sounds like that's really important right now. What's going on? If you've already decided they're overreacting, that question is going to come across wrong, right? It needs to come from this place of really wanting to understand. And one of my favorite books that we had to do, look through, got to read and learn about when I was in my graduate program was called From Debate to Dialogue by Deborah Flick. It's a very short book. F-L-I-C-K, Deborah with an H. And it really talks about coming into a conversation with the intent of understanding versus debating. And there are times for both. In the book, Deborah, her idea is that before we debate, we really should have a dialogue. We really should understand where the other person is coming from versus just getting into defending and having them defend. Can we understand first? And every time that there's a big election, this always comes up in my mind because I just think about how often we are so quick to 
want someone else to defend their position and to want to be able to defend our position versus really seeking to understand where somebody's coming from before we move into that process, right? To really understand why someone thinks what they do. Where are they coming from? How did they come to that belief? And then maybe we have a completely different opinion about our approach if we do need to debate something or about how we can help them learn if they they need to learn something to be successful in our environment. Or maybe we figure out that our belief and where we were coming from isn't exactly what we thought it was in relation to where they're coming from either. So that process of questioning the questions aren't as important as where they're coming from. And that that ability to ask a question with the real intent to understand, with the real in- intent of being curious and wanting to learn is where the powerful question comes from, really no matter what the words are. So when you get into a situation at work, and especially when things get get heated, that's where we have to try to keep ourselves, right? When someone is doing something that frustrates you or when someone is doing something that you don't think is effective, how can you bring yourself back to that place of just wanting to understand, of being curious before we start to problem solve it, right? Before we start to have judgment, can we first understand And if you find yourself in that position often where your questions come out differently than you would like them to, or you find yourself getting into debates when you thought you were just trying to understand, it it may be a good thing for you to go back and and grab this this book from somewhere, this from debate to dialogue, and keep it on your desk and and remind yourself the, the difference of understanding and the where the place that those questions can come from it's $15 on Amazon right not going to break the bank there so this position of curiosity this different way of asking right that this non-judgmental this non-judgmental approach as we talked about last week we want to keep open-ended questions so if you're going to ask your employee, is this an effective strategy? That's a yes or no question. There's kind of some judgment behind it, right? When you ask that question, the assumption is that it's not or you wouldn't ask, right? So we might ask that a little differently, and this is from Coactive Coaching. What makes this an, ex- an effective strategy for you? Or what? what did you... How you want to stay away from whys, right? Why did you decide to use that? Is very judgmental. You might get away with a how if it's coming from the right place. How did you determine that this was the strategy that you wanted to use? Or tell me a little bit about what went into making the decision around this strategy. It's from that place of curiosity and really wanting to learn what makes this an effective strategy for you what went into the decision-making process of choosing this strategy. Catch me up, right? It, it comes from that place of curiosity versus that place of judgment. But what went into choosing that strategy? 
right? A lot of even your questions and how they're perceived and, and if they're effective or not is going to come from how you ask them, not just the words that you say. So we're thinking about that opportunity to really understand where someone's coming from. And again, whether that's curiosity or a place of understanding, however you want to frame that, it's that idea of being curious. Now, being curious helps you a lot because it naturally forms great questions, right? If someone says that, well, I'm just not getting along with so-and-so, the natural curious question is, well, tell me a little bit more about that. What do you mean by not getting along? It gives you that opportunity to dig deeper and to ask a question that will dig deeper without having to be a rocket scientist, right? Lots of this is not rocket science. It's just coming to it from a place of curiosity, wanting to understand, and wanting to help that person uncover whatever might be there for them to learn, not necessarily for you to teach. So we might think about how we can ask questions that really dig deeper Right, that help the person understand what they've been doing or what they're getting from the situation. And the more obvious questions like the, you know, fill me in, what does that look like? Tell me more about what that means. All of those are great places to start and Good places to start when you're new in a relationship with an employee or a colleague or even a boss. When you're in a real coaching relationship or when you've started coaching an employee and you've gained a little bit more of that relationship, then you might ask questions that dig a little deeper, right? What's the, what's the payoff for you or what's the payoff for the team if we continue to do things that way? Or what's the payoff for you in in how we're currently operating? And you have to, again, have to have the relationship to ask those questions and have to ask them from that place of curiosity versus judgment. But it's really that idea of asking questions that help move things forward. And that's really where we're trying to go, right? If we're trying to help an employee improve their skills and grow, we're really trying to move them forward. And there are some specific things that coactive coaching talks about in order to make that happen. Some of them we've talked about already in a different framework, but I'm just going to run through them very quickly. The first, and this word gets overused, but this idea of authenticity, right? This idea that you are being real with that person, that you're not putting on a coaching hat and playing a game, role-playing all the time, although that is a skill you might use, but that you're really being real with that person, that you're sharing when something comes up for you, that you're asking questions that are very authentic, and that you're being yourself with that person. Obviously, we've talked about the relationship, that you have to have a relationship with this person to be able to move them forward. And as a boss, that can get challenging, 
right? How do you draw that line? But we know that a lot of managers aren't effective when they're overly focused on not fraternizing, right? It doesn't work that way. We do have to have some kind of a connection to our employee to be able to help them change, to be able to effectively coach. We have to have some kind of relationship, connection, understanding between the two of us. Now, does that mean it's a social relationship? Obviously not, but some kind of connection between the two of us. We have to have the environment and the courage to act in the moment, to ask questions in the moment. And we talked the other day, one of the ICF competencies around presence. You have to be present in the moment so that you can act and have courage to act when it makes sense because that's where the learning happens, right? The learning happens by doing it it when it comes up. And we'll talk a little bit about another coaching strategy that you can use that helps do that even more. But this is why annual performance reviews don't work, right? To talk to somebody once a year and go over something they did six months ago, there's not very much learning that can happen there. But when you have a relationship or you're in a coaching relationship on a consistent basis where you can talk about something that just happened and help that individual learn from it, that's the ultimate goal, right? Wouldn't it be great if all of us as managers had time to be able to do that? The more time you can make, the better your team will be and the more time you'll have, right? So we'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to keep talking about some of these coaching skills and then talk about some different coaching methods or approaches that you could use to be effective within your organization. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Calling all CFOs, finance, and risk professionals. Your call to action is to help your company achieve financial excellence. How? Master risk management, cost control, and strategic decision-making by implementing game-changing technology advances such as in-memory computing, plus mobile and cloud deployments, and more. Where? Learn from top thought leaders each week on Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Join us for Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. All right. So today we've been talking about, in a little bit deeper way, some of the coaching skills, really maybe just even communication skills that you might use when working with people in your organization and specifically if you're trying to do some coaching around performance with a team member. So we've been talking about listening and asking good questions and then just some of these other skills that we want to think about using if we're going to engage especially in that more performance coaching conversation with an employee team member or maybe even a peer. So some of, one of the other things that is in this coactive coaching book that I, I like is thinking about celebrating. And they talk about celebrating failure. I think about celebrating wins, right? And when you're especially if you're trying to hold someone accountable for doing something as part of your performance coaching relationship, it's really important that you celebrate when they do that thing. And, you know, I know especially my baby boomers and older older baby boomers will say, oh, you know, when did it become that everybody needed a sticker for everything? And that's not really what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is acknowledging especially when you're coaching someone to improve their performance, acknowledging when you do that, right? It's called positive reinforcement. We are going to reinforce the fact that they are making progress because our world and especially our business world is very set up to focus on those weaknesses, focus on when people make mistakes, right? Our review processes are very set up in that direction. So we have to make a conscious effort to celebrate when they do what they said they would do, when they are doing what we are holding them accountable to. It doesn't have to be a big celebration, obviously, but just to acknowledge that and to say something about it is important. And we do have to put more of a thought around that because it's not the way the system is set up. So if you're going to be coaching someone, especially on some kind of performance or they're moved up into a management role and they're taking some new risks, celebrating when they do things, even if they don't go right, is going to be a part of the coaching process. That's part of helping someone grow, is helping them recognize when they do something, even if it doesn't go completely right, and and probably especially when it doesn't go completely right. So a few things I want to think about maybe a little bit differently here today. One of the things that you are most likely doing with a team, even if you're just part of the team, not the leader, but especially when you are a lead, you're setting some goals. And goal setting is one of those key parts of good coaching, right, for a a coach to really understand what the goals are at the beginning of the relationship, but then at the beginning of each session, that establishing kind of the agreement and the the agenda on a regular basis. That's part of the goal-setting part. And when we're doing that, 
we want to think about that it's directed by that individual would, that we're working with, right? It's, it's their goals and that we might provide some feedback, some guidance in, in creating those goals. What's the next step? How will that help you get where you want to go? What does that look like? What will you take away from that? What will it take to make that happen? Right, All of those questions that help guide someone through creating what you might call like a SMART goal, right? Where it's specific, measurable, attainable, whatever, however you define SMART. Help them through questioning get through that. You might have a form that walks them through those questions. That's fine. You might have a form that walks you through asking those questions. That's great. One of the things that I just gained from a session that I went to earlier last week was this idea of thinking about stress and how sometimes we create stress by setting goals that we don't really have control over. And this presenter was talking about how we set goals that are in essence trying to change the universe, right? Or expecting the universe to change for something to happen. And that that creates a lot of stress because we put a, our hope, our positivity is all wrapped up in something that we don't really have control over. And so what I love about most of the coaching questions that you'll find for helping people set goals is that they are things that are directing the person to think about what they have control over or what will get in their way. Who do they need to help them do that? What resources do they need? So it's thinking about setting that goal almost based on the actions versus the outcome. So it would be great to have 110% growth in sales, right? And, and maybe that's a goal that is set. And if you can help your people set goals that are based on actions that they should take to get there, right? Whereas if you do A, B, and C, of course 110% is going to happen. Help them create those goals. So the goal would be to have 100 cold calls every day. Whatever that goal is that they have control over, that you know will get them to their sales goal. Help them come up with those things that get them to where they need to be. Because if the goal is just set out there, and maybe you even help them come up with, you know, this is the goal, but there aren't any goals set that have shorter timelines, more attainability for them, more control for them, it's going to create a lot of stress and unhappiness in the workplace. So think about that and think about how you can set goals that maybe aren't as wrapped up in the outcome per se, but more wrapped up into the actions that they're going to take to get to that outcome so that they can see along the way the progress that they're making. They can feel like they're in control. They know what they have to do to make those things happen, and they're going to be happier because of that. Also, what I've found is that a lot of times when you t take a, a, an outcome-based goal and you look at, okay, what does it take to actually get there, you might 
see that the outcome doesn't really make sense, that it's not really attainable, or that you have to restructure something to make it attainable. And that's all great information, right? There's nothing like having this forecast or projection that doesn't make any sense. And and from what I see, usually gets your employees down in the dumps or they're leaving or they feel like they can never succeed because of that. And changing the way you set goals and changing the way you coach your teams to help them set goals may make a difference and it may actually create better outcomes than you think. I think people always want to create that outcome-based goal because they think that vision, right, that that number, that 110% is going to drive everybody. Well, one, not everybody's driven that way. And two, if they can't see how to get there, it probably isn't going to drive the majority of your people. So thinking about that goal setting as being one of the key things that you're doing with your team. Then maybe one of the more, I don't know if it's necessarily an advanced skill, but it definitely requires that you've built that relationship is is what they call challenging here in coactive coaching. My counseling supervisor calls it spitting in your soup, right? When are you going to help somebody realize that what they're saying isn't reality or that what they are thinking isn't a cause and effect, right? That you can just see that it's not working. Or you might say, you know, this person is really depressed and they're fooling themselves into thinking that, they, you know, it's just the rain or whatever it might be. And how are you going to, in a kind and fact-driven way, present that information it might be through some kind of paraphrasing it might be through a great question it may even be when you're in that goal setting phase and someone says they're going to achieve 110% sales and you say okay let's go and and put together a plan for that what's that really going to look like what would that mean in terms of your cold calls knowing that this is how many you've done to achieve that this year And you start creating that plan. And just that process can help challenge some of those those perceptions that aren't real. Or, again, as a coach, we also also always have to be open to the fact that we might be wrong, right? And we might challenge and that person may be able to, to give us an answer or to help us understand where they're coming from that creates a different level of understanding for us. So we've got this idea of we're listening, we're asking good questions, and this is all in what seems maybe kind of unstructured, but there's a lot of opportunity for you within this organization, and especially if you're working with your HR person, to put together some structures, right? Like I said, you might even have a a goals worksheet that asks some of those questions for you and helps people work through creating a goal. You might have some structure that is set up for specific issues that you're dealing with with an individual. And all of those pieces are very important to help that person feel like they're moving forward, to be able to track their progress, 
right, and, and setting goals that allow them to track that progress, but also having some structures, whether it's the times that you meet and the way that you go through the, the, pro, the process, some kind of structure that helps them track where they're going, where they've been, and where they want to go next. That's what this relationship is really all about if you're trying to coach an employee, right? It's to move forward in their skill set, in their in their relationship, whatever it might be that you've formed the relationship for. Think about it at that beginning and how you might measure that. Work with them. And that's why it's called co-active coaching, right? Working with them to define those goals, define the milestones so that you can measure as you move along. So we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about a few other coaching models that you might look into, different ways to set up a coaching process within your organization that might help you attack the issues that you see arising within your organization that are why you decided to listen today. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we are talking about coaching techniques and different ways that you can gain the skills or improve your skills or practice using these skills to improve your communications with others, right? So it might be a coaching relationship where you're actually managing someone. It may be in a a peer relationship. 
And we've been talking about some of the ICF competencies for coaching, International Coach Federation, and then we talked a little bit about some of the things from Coactive Coaching. And again, that's written by Laura Whitworth, Karen Kimsey House, Henry Kimsey House, and Philip Sandahl. And that's a lot of that is focused maybe more on one-to-one coaching. Obviously, within your organization, there may be other things going on. So I wanted to share some of the information that I just learned, actually, last week um, through a, a coaching training here. And it's from Dr. Michael Marquette, and M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T. And his approach, I guess, his approach is it's called the World Institute of Action Learning. It's action, action learning coaching. And it's exactly what it, it sounds like, right? That you're coaching someone or, or coaching to gain skills within the context of solving a problem. So taking on a challenge within your organization and you know, he was talking about how there's things like this in every company, right? We've got a product line that's doing this or that, or you've got a a new market segment that you want to enter or whatever it might be that, that might be the, the problem. And so you're getting people together, four to eight people, and, you know, coming from the group counseling world, I, I'll tell you that that number is fairly important, right, without at least four, it's hard to get many interactions going with more than eight. You've got way more interactions that you can handle. So that group size is important. And then through that process, you have a a coach who's helping those individuals throughout that process improve their skills. So we all know that when you take on an actual problem, challenge, project, that's when you're actually doing these things, right? When you're forced to listen and communicate and ask great questions and problem solve with your team, doing lots of the things we've just talked about, but in a different role. And so his idea, and it's just great, is to think about how you might use a coach in that situation when you have a team that's specifically working on a problem to improve the individual skills of those leaders, future leaders, whatever it is. So let's say you're going to work on a project with six engineers. It might be great to sit in a room as a coach with an engineer and go through some of these processes and talk about how someone interacts with others. But the truth is that you don't really get to see that, right? And that that person's perception of how they interact with people may not be reality. When you work with the team and there's a coach within that team who's not necessarily a member of the team, right? And they're not the leader of the team for sure. They're the coach. They're the person who is watching what's going on with these individuals and they're coaching some in the group setting, some in that individual setting, if I'm understanding right here, to help those individuals understand how they can improve their skills and to understand the cause and effect of their skills, all of the things that we've been talking about that we can use our great coaching skills 
to help someone learn. Only in this setting, you're helping them do that while they're engaged in an actual project problem, some kind of interaction with a team. So we've got this idea of we're using all our great coaching skills, but within the setting of helping someone learn. And the team knows that this is going on, right? This isn't a tricked you kind of thing. The team knows that the, the project is real and they've, they're really going to be working on solving the problem and that there's this added layer of learning. And a lot of corporations, very interesting to listen to Michael talk, a lot of corporations are moving to this model where they are engaging their high performers, their future leaders in this type of a model where they're coming together to solve a problem, work on a project with a coach who's also helping them grow their skills at the same time. Very cool model, something to think about as you're going through the process if you're an internal coach or an HR person especially. So that might be one thing that you could do that's a little bit different than the one-on-one coaching pieces that we've talked about. The other piece, of course, is mentoring. And mentoring has kind of taken this huge uptick again. I think it cycles every once in a while. But everybody's kind of hot on this idea of mentoring, but not only mentoring, but, but creating a champion. So if I'm a, you know, a high performer, I'm in your leadership development program, you might assign assign me a mentor. It'd be great if that mentor had some of these coaching skills that they could use. A little bit different relationship, obviously, since you're not my direct manager. We may not be coaching specifically on performance-type skills, but maybe just as importantly on other kinds of skills. But to think about within that relationship, how can that person not just be a mentor, and, and share their stories of how they got to where they are, use some great quest, coaching questions to help me figure out where my misgivings might be, but then to also be my champion, to speak up for, for me, to be the one that will introduce me to, to people that can help me get where I need to go, to have that outwardly noted in the process And your mentors know that when they take on the opportunity that they're not just mentoring, but they're also championing for that person. What I love about that, of course, is that it means that there has to be a deeper relationship. Our mentor relationship can get very loosey-goosey and and, and not provide a whole bunch of value. But if I know that I'm going to be expected to be a champion for that person, introduce them to my network, etc. I'm going to make sure that I really know who they are, that I'm having some kind of influence in how they interact with others, that I'm helping them grow those skills because those skills are going to reflect on me. I think there may be some important um, accountability in that that switch that's happening, that, that change around mentorship that's happening kind of exciting for those of you who are looking for mentors that that is starting to be talked about because I think it's important. Of course, it means both of you will have to put in a little more effort to that relationship. 
and the relationship will have more meaning for both people, I think. So if you're thinking about ways to increase performance in your organization, I would encourage you to think about how you can incorporate some of these coaching skills. If you're in HR, ways that you can build those within your team. If you're a manager, ways that you can build them for yourself. Again, this co-active coaching provides some great basics for incorporating those skills into your daily life. Just want to leave you with one other quick little thing from the the Courage, the Backbone of Leadership by Gus Lee. And this is one of those simple things, but if you really want to build relationship with other people, he gives us this acronym of CLEAR. That when we meet people, we're, we're collegial, right? We're actually interested in meeting them. We say hello. We, we greet them with a smile. That we listen actively. That we show empathy. That we really try to understand what they're going through. That we ask questions and that we focus on the relationship. We really try to understand where people are coming from, to know them, to know their families. So we're being clear, collegial, listening, having empathy, asking great questions, and focusing on the relationship. We'll see you here in a couple of weeks on the on the Career Confidant. Next week you'll get a, a repeat of one of our favorite shows. And then we will be right back with you in June to keep exploring more great topics in how you can take control of your career and move your career forward. And we'll see you right back here on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.